The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. You may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, this day, your people are gathered in the name of your Son. Gathering, we recognize that it is by the blood of Jesus that we've been called your children. We recognize that it is by the blood of Jesus that our sins have been forgiven. We recognize that it is by the blood of Jesus that we've been called your friends. We recognize that it is by the blood of Jesus that you long to use us for your kingdom in your world. Lord, we recognize that everything we claim to be is ours because of Jesus. We recognize that we deserve none of your blessings. We recognize that we deserve none of your presence. And yet in Christ, you pour out blessings. You pour out presence. You pour out love. You pour out goodness. You pour out grace. You pour out promise. Lord, we pray. We pray that you would make us a people who trust you. Pray you would make us a people who obey you. Pray you would make us a people who follow you. We pray you make us a people who are faithful because your spirit is with us. Lord, now in the next few minutes, would you work through your word for your people? Would you work through your word for the glory of your name? God, we ask you to work. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn to Psalm 23. This will be our sermon passage today. Um, I'm going to do a little participatory opening here. When Dustin read that earlier, how many of you thought that doesn't sound quite right? One honest person. We all have this memorized in the King James Version, okay? We all do. Whether we meant to or not. Whether we grew up going to church or not, we all know the psalm, and we all know it in the King James Version. Second, how many of you immediately thought about a funeral? Yeah, got honest people. Got three honest people on that one, okay. Apparently, we're not a very participatory church here today. Come on, folks. (sighs) I'm just kidding. Um, Well, this is one of the more popular passages in the Scripture, probably the most popular Old Testament passage Everybody has a knowledge of it. And um, 
it does, and I want to stress rightly, show up in almost every funeral or celebration of life service that happens. You know why? Because the Lord promises to be with his people even into death. You know why? Because the Lord promises a place for his people that transcends this life. That's why. But I don't want this just to become our funeral mantra. I want it to become our declaration of joy and hope and confidence as we walk with the Lord in the here and now. Because that's what it's intended to be. David wrote this. He's not dead. David wrote this. He's still the king. David wrote this. He's still anointed by God to lead the people of God in the work of God. And David is is using the words of this psalm to generate hope and joy and confidence in the Lord. And that's how I want us to use it. So some of the psalms we've looked at have been psalms of lament, psalms of grief, psalms of hurt, psalms of Lord meet me there. Some of them have been um, songs of worship. Some of them have been prayers of help. I firmly believe that Psalm 23 is this. It's a declaration of confidence in God that's intended to spur God's people onward in hope and in faith and in confidence. So I want us today to see from this psalm that the Lord is present with his people The Lord leads his people, and the Lord is for his people. The Lord's present with his people, the Lord leads his people, and the Lord is for his people. So there it is. There's your outline. You can sound like you listened, whether you listen to me for the next few minutes or not, but I would plead with you to dive deeply in this psalm with us. So the first... Point, if you want to take notes, is my Lord, my Lord. Notice how the psalm begins. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, there's a turn of phrase there that we might miss. So let's look at it. The Lord. You'll notice in your English translations that it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's, that's not a typo and that's not an accident. That means that in the Hebrew, the word for um, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord who is faithful to his covenant with his people, the Lord who is present and always there and always will be present, this name of the Lord is what's being used. So, so David's saying... The one true God who has redeemed his people, this God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the God who revealed himself to Abraham, the God who was faithful to Isaac, the God who was faithful to Jacob, the God who brought his people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, the God who led his people through the wilderness, the God who brought his people into the promised land, that God, the one who can be trusted, the one who is true, the one who can accomplish all things, the one who is all-powerful, all that's supposed to be oozing out of the Lord. Now notice what David does. 
is my shepherd. This Lord is the one that I know. This Lord is the one who's with me. This Lord is the one who cares for me. This Lord is the one who is present. This Lord is the one who keeps his promises. What David does is he gives the people of God permission to personalize the character and the promises and the word of God to our position and our condition and our place. He gives us the freedom to say, this Lord is my Lord. My Lord. I belong to the Lord. I'm a child of the Lord. I know the Lord. Now, I can see some of y'all's gears grinding, you biblical theological people. You're like, hold on, though. Hold on, Jamie. David was the king. He was the special anointed king. So just because David can do it doesn't mean that I can do it. Wrong. Because as the scripture goes forward, What we're told is that this Lord Yahweh, the one who was the shepherd of David, sent his son Jesus into the world to redeem a people. And Jesus revealed about himself that he was the shepherd of his people. Don't take my word for it. Turn over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse 11. As long as I hear pages, I'm just going to sit here and stare at you, okay? John chapter 10, beginning of verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Let's hit pause. There's a theme in the book of John where Jesus uses the phrase I am to reveal himself. Do you know what the word I am is? It's the Lord. I am what? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is saying, I'm God. I'm the Lord. I'm the one. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14. Again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the Lord of the people. I'm the one who is to be worshiped and praised. And I know my sheep and my sheep know me. No is not a knowledge word. It's an intimate relational word. Jesus is saying that if you know me, you also know the Father. If you know me, you belong to me. If you know me, I am yours and you are mine. And all who come to Christ belong to the one flock. 
Jew and Gentile, near and far, righteous and unrighteous, all who come to Christ belong to the one flock. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me and I know my sheep. So here's what this means for us, friends. I know we're buried in verse one and we'll get done sometime before midnight, but this is what this means. In Jesus, God knows us and we truly know God. In Jesus, God intimately in, with information and knowledge of all of our brokenness and all of our sin and all of our rebellion, chooses to love us. And because he's loved us, we get to know God really and tangibly. So this is what it means. We can personalize this psalm as David personalizes this psalm if we're in Christ. So that's a long backstory to get right back where we started. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what that means for a bunch of non-Jewish people several thousand years into the future is, we can know this Lord as our shepherd if we are in Christ. And some of you are like, okay, cool, Jamie, now tell me what that means. That's where we're going. That's where the psalm goes. But at the end of the day, when you finish the scriptures, there's two postures before the Lord. There's enemy and friend. There's rebel and redeemed. There's accepted and rejected. And the only gap between those two columns is Jesus. In Christ, we're known, we're loved, we're accepted, we're forgiven, we're blessed, we're called children of God. So I know good preachers put these kind of questions at the end, but I've never pretended to be a good preacher. So I'm just going to put it right here. You can ponder it for the next few minutes. Do I belong to the Lord because I belong to Christ? Austin read it earlier. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Scripture says that we're all sinful, we're all broken, but those who repent of their sin and see that Christ died to take away the sting of sin and death and give everlasting life, those who repent and believe on Christ are called children of God. That's where you are today, wondering what that might look like. Please talk with me after the service. Please talk with anybody you've seen on this stage. Uh, The first three rows have three of our elders. Come pick a, a dude on the first three rows and talk to them. Talk to somebody about what it looks like to follow Christ, what it looks like to give your life to Christ. And then, if we're in Christ, we can read this psalm as true for us. True for us. So what does it mean that the Lord is my shepherd? Second point. Present shepherd. I was trying to be creative here. Kind of didn't work. We're going to go with it. Meaning the shepherd who is present. So let's read verses one through four again. The Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We'll stop there for now. So in the day of writing, most kings of the universe, most kings of kingdoms and of nations would talk of themselves as the shepherd of the people. So when David, the king of Israel, says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's ultimately saying is, the Lord is my king and the Lord is the shepherd of your shepherd. He's the one who provides for the one who provides for you. And if the Lord can provide for the king, then certainly he can provide for us, the people of the kingdom. He says, because the Lord is my shepherd, we get this very idyllic picture. I I will not want. He'll make me lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside still water. He actively restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's what this is saying. Is the Lord as the shepherd will provide for his people. I shall not want doesn't mean I will do without things that I yearn for. It means I will not be without what I need to live as child of God. Now think like a sheep here. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You finally get to the place where it's lush with grass. And rather than being hurried along or or being told, you get your five minutes and then we're going to move on to the next crew of the sheep, it says we get to lay down and bask in the provision of the Lord. He leads me beside still waters. What's important about the waters being still? It's a lot easier to drink it. That's what. It's there for us. He restores my soul. He lifts up and cares for my needs. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Meaning this, the Lord leads his sheep. Always the Lord is leading his sheep. And he's going to lead us in the right path. The path that is good for us and will honor him. Now this picture is a bit idyllic. It sounds peaceful and restful and like all things are good. I mean, it's like, who wants to sign up now? If what it means, if, I'm stressing, if what it means to walk with the Lord is green pastures and still waters and joyous, quiet moments with Jesus, who's in? Just me? Okay, yeah, we're definitely not participating today. (laughs) You know why none of you shot your hands in the air? Because you're like, I've never seen that world. It's okay. Verse 4 is there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the Lord leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, even when that path feels like the valley of the shadow of death. Even when that path is horrific and difficult and hard and it's hard to believe and it's hard to feel loved and it's hard to feel cared for, the Lord is leading us even there. He doesn't lead a, leave us in the valley. He leads us through the valley. And even if it comes to death, he's there and he's with us. And he's present. Therefore, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff speak of protection and discipline. Rod and staff speak of a shepherd warding off enemies and at times putting the crook around the neck of his sheep and saying, let's go. We're going. Provision and protection are this way. So David, in a very tangible, application-oriented word picture, is saying, Yahweh, the shepherd, is always present with his people, and it's good because he's providing and caring and leading and disciplining and protecting. Providing, caring, leading, disciplining, Okay, so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? This is what we do. We recognize that this psalm is teaching us what it looks like to be a person of faith. Like we as Christians are so quick to say, well, have faith in God. Have faith, trust, have faith. Well, what does that look like? It looks like actually trusting the Lord's provision and care and leading and disciplining and protecting. That's what it looks like. So if if we want this psalm to shape our faith, there are seven statements that I have for you. Seven statements. People of faith, number one, trust the presence. Trust the presence. Meaning, we trust that the Lord is present with his people even when it doesn't feel like he. Number two, we seek the care. We seek the care, meaning this. We seek the green pastures and the still waters and the restoration that the Lord yields to his people. We, we see, we trust that what he offers is what's best. We trust that what he offers is what we most need. And we seek the care that the Lord provides. Number three, we trust the leading. We trust the leading, which means this. We trust that the Lord is leading us even when it feels like He's not. We trust that the Lord is leading us even when we maybe wish we would have done otherwise. We feel like we trust that the Lord is always leading his sheep. And if I could be autobiographical for a moment, is that okay? I've got one person that said yes, I'm going to do it. 
Number three right here is where I've been camped out. I've made a decision recently. It's not moral. It's not about sin. It's not going to train wreck my family. But I've made a decision, and I wish I would have done otherwise. I chose option A. I wish I would have chose option B. And it's just stinging me and burning me. And it frustrates me. And I can't undo it without lying and failing to be a man of integrity. So you know what I do? The only thing I know to do is take a step back and say, I trust that the Lord led me to that decision. And I trust that the Lord's going to lead me through that decision. And I trust that the Lord's going to keep all his promises and all the things that he's made through this path that I've now committed to. For better or for worse, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, we could do that on all seven of these, but there's one. Number four. This is going to sound similar. Seek to follow the leading. It's one thing to say, yeah, I know God's leading. I know he's out there somewhere, but it's another thing to say, and because I'm a person of faith, I'm going to find where the Lord is, and I'm going where the Lord's going. I'm going where the Lord's going. Number five, embrace the discipline. Embrace the discipline. If the Lord literally has the crook of his shepherd's staff around your neck pulling you forward, then trust that the Lord wouldn't pull you forward if it wasn't for your eternal good and embrace the discipline. Number six, seek the protection. Seek the protection of the Lord. He's always protecting his people, always. Seek the protection of the Lord. I can only speak for me, but I feel like so much of our anxiety and our worry and our doubt and our frustration and our gossip and our calling everyone in our context list to complain more than anything is just us wanting to feel like it's going to be okay. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me and I will allow your rod and your staff to comfort me. The Lord's rod protects his people. So let's be the people who lean on his protection. And number seven, you guys are probably with me right now. Like, dude, this is so good. Number seven, embrace the valley. Embrace the valley. It's really easy to believe that the Lord is leading when everything feels right. It requires faith to believe the Lord is leading when everything feels broken and hurt and wrong. And I think one of the greatest testimonies that we as the people of God can give to the world is a confidence that even the valley is part of the Lord leading us onward and homeward. And even the valley is a gift. And it hurts to say that. If you're hurting deeply today, I want you to know I'm not being glib about your pain. 
I understand the weight of what I'm saying. I think I understand the weight of what I'm saying. But by faith, let's embrace the valley. Third point. Present host. Verses 5 and 6 tell us that the Lord is not only a present shepherd, but he's a present host. So the metaphor changes. The Lord is still present and loving and caring, but David has shifted from a sheep to a human in the house of the Lord. I agonized over this word host. I had the word friend, but that just feels glib in our culture. But friend would work. Caring companion would work. But a host, it's the Lord's dwelling. It's the Lord's world. It's the Lord's house. But he hosts his people in his home and celebrates them with a banquet. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, verses 5 and 6, do they come from the mountaintop or from the valley? From the valley. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We just skip over that, right? We're like, oh, that's good. What does that mean? It means this. The Lord's throwing a banquet, and David gets to come. Not only does David get to come, oil in this context was used for rejoicing and blessing. He says, not only is my head filled with oil, but my cup overflows in the oil of joy and blessing because I'm at the table with the Lord who calls me his friend. Surely goodness And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the goodness and the mercy and the dwelling have to do with the Lord welcoming David into his house, into his presence, at his table to celebrate the Lord's victory. The Lord is a present, knowing, caring host of his people. And so our takeaway from this is that the Lord will vindicate his people. And faith says we will trust that the Lord will vindicate us and that trusting the Lord will never be in vain and that depending upon the goodness of the Lord will always move us further and further into the caring presence of the Lord. So this passage lays out very clearly for us a map of hope, a map of faith, a map of confidence in God and how he actively works for and ministers to his people. 
So now, our Father and God, we pray that you would take these words which you've spoken. And as much as they're true, as much as they're right, as much as they're good, as much as they glorify your name, Lord, I pray you would cause your people to believe them, to be shaped by them. Lord, whatever work needs to be done in this place, would you work now, we pray, in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Now, we concluded the sermon by saying that the Lord was a present host of a feast. And this idea runs all throughout the scripture. The Passover was a feast. The Lord's Supper was a feast. The book of Revelation calls us to wait for the marriage feast of the Lamb. This idea of the Lord feasting with his people while we enjoy the fruits of belonging to the Lord runs throughout the scripture. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples on his last night on earth, as often as you take this meal, do so in remembrance of me. Because the bread says Christ's body was broken for people like me. And the blood says Christ's blood was poured out for sinful people like me. And when we take the bread and we drink the cup, what we're saying is, the Lord is present and welcoming his people into the feast of the celebration that is due his name. He allows us to enjoy his worship. He allows us to enjoy the goodness and the rejoicing and the blessing of belonging to the Lord. So here at Redeemer, we call on everyone who's a Christian, meaning you know of your sin, you've repented of that sin, you've confessed faith in Jesus for salvation. If that's you, we invite you to take this bread and take this cup. And what these symbolize for us is that we belong to the Lord. He's a present shepherd and a present host, and we will trust him and worship him Follow him for the glory of his name.